wait is over. The moment of truth is here. And the U.S. national team's chance for redemption is finally upon us. It's time to see if they'll take it. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarza. It is match day, Friday. World Cup qualifying is back. I know it feels like uh, like a year ago since World Cup qualifying uh, took place. A lot has happened, obviously, since the last time out back in November. The uh, U.S. has a new coach. Uh, U.S. has new players who've emerged, and U.S. has some players who were injured uh, all in the past week. We've seen a, a handful of top players injured ahead of this all-important World Cup qualifier against Honduras. And I'll tell you what, folks, you can have the argument all you want about is it a must-win, is it not a must-win. If the U.S. loses this game, they are in a lot of trouble. That's There's no other way to put it. Uh, having said that, you have to like the U.S. at home, even with the injuries. Bruce Arena knows how to win in World Cup qualifying. Now we'll see if he still remembers how, since, it, again, it's been, what, 12 years since he uh, had to coach in a, a manage a coach in a World Cup qualifier. But this is what he was hired to do when he took over for Uri Klinsman, and it's time to see if he can deliver. Uh, we have much to talk about on this show. We, uh, we'll, we'll scan through Week 3. Apologies for anyone who, who was waiting for the MLS Week 3 rundown and breakdown. But now that the U.S. national team is back and now that they have this whole important match, we are going to be focused on that quite a bit. We will get into some MLS news. We have, obviously, a special guest, Alexi Lalas. Alexi and I are going to talk about a, a wide variety of topics. So pretty much my interview with Alexi is, is going to become most of the show because we talk about the national team, uh, everything about the game coming up, and also uh, M- MLS news that's gone on. Bastian Feinsteiger signing with the Chicago Fire. That's obviously big news. Jeff Kassar. Uh, fired by Real Salt Lake. Uh, that was uh, after just three games, so that's obviously a hot topic as well. Uh, Alexi and I will we'll discuss all of that and more, but before we get into that, before we get to Alexi, I just wanted to run down a few things. We, uh, we Just to, to kind of get it out of the way, MLS Week 3, obviously, it, it's uh, so long ago and everyone's focused on the national team now, but we're going to go through it real quick. NYCFC Montreal, I was at this game 1-1. Another game where NYCFC you argue they're the better team. They play the better soccer, but they don't get the three points. Uh, in all, in all, in all fairness, they've been the best team in every one of their games, but they've only won one of them. So if you're Patrick Vieira, you have to be a little concerned. Props to Dom Maduro uh, for once again scoring a late equalizer against NYCFC. He loves Yankee Stadium, Dominic Maduro. So uh, credit to him, the the impact striker. Atlanta over Chicago 4-0, and another impressive performance by Tata Martino's men. This team is for real, folks. And yes, I know there was a red card. You can definitely question the validity of the red card. But Atlanta, look, not every team that goes goes a man up takes care of business. And this Atlanta team took care of business. They shredded the fire. Uh, that Atlanta, Atlanta United is for real, folks. They're fun to watch. They're dangerous. Are they a are they an MLS favorite? MLS Cup favorite? Are they are they one of the, are they the very best team in the league? No, but they are fun to watch. Exciting. And uh, they're going to be a handful for everybody they they face. Yeah, but guess what? They have some tough games coming up. Well, that I think are going to show us a lot more about what they're about. Next, Vancouver dropped a 2-0 decision at TFC. Yeah, I know, it's a boxing match. Uh, but yeah, Vancouver at home, you figure, you know, you like the chances to win. But no, TFC without Sebastian Javinko, with Josie Altidore, who going into the qualifier, if you're a U.S. fan, you had to love seeing him step up in a game like that. Big win for TFC. They're going to be fine, folks. They are legitimately a title contender, no doubt about it. They'll be right back at, at, toward the top, if not at the top of the Eastern Conference before long. So uh, just, you've been warned, everybody. DC United drops a 2-0 decision to the Columbus crew, and cr- credit to Greg Berhalter. He, sh- he he changed things up, tried a new system, 
benched Ethan Finley, started a rookie in Alex Rognali, Rognali in the center of the defense, in the middle of the defense, and it all worked out. The crew with the big road win, uh, and so maybe there's some life in Columbus. Maybe this team can uh, can actually, uh, you know, there could be something there. As far as DC United, I've been saying that how long, folks? For those of you who listen, this is going to be a long year. And, you know, know, not to pick on DC United fans, but there are some DC United fans who just seem to continue to live in denial and seem to continue to try to look at the bright side of things. I think it's a long year. So buckle up, folks. Start thinking about that stadium and how beautiful that's going to be because I don't think there's going to be much to to enjoy about this season. Next up, Orlando City, 2-1 over Philly. That's That's an impressive win for Orlando City. Kyle Aaron doing his thing again. And Orlando City, you know what? They're doing it right without Kaká. Not to say that... uh, they wouldn't want Kaká back, but we thought their attack was going to fall apart and be non-existent without Kaká. It's done all right. Kyle Aaron has really stepped up. Uh, Rivas is a, as a strike partner. That's looking pretty good. As far as Philly goes, it's a disappointing loss. But listen, listen, Union fans, don't go crazy. Don't start talking about, oh, we haven't won a game yet. Uh, it's three games in. Time to fire the coach. You know, whatever you want to say. They had two impressive results to start the year because, look, the, the tie in Vancouver, that's impressive. A draw at home normally, you know, it's not the greatest, but guess what? They were playing one of the best teams in the league, and they they stood toe-to-toe with them, and they really very easily could have won that game. So I wouldn't go panic mode yet, Philly fans. I think the Union are going to be just fine. But look, credit to Orlando. They went at home. FC Dallas 2-1 to one over the, uh, over New England, and uh, Maxi Rudy talk about just showing his quality, and, and anyone who thought he wasn't going to be starting for this team or that he wasn't going to be a... Uh, still be a big factor for this team in 2017. You, you've clearly been shown that you were wrong, and he he is absolutely uh, ready to light things up this year. And Dallas continues to look like the best team in the league. Sporting Kansas City, two-one victory over San Jose. Benny Felhaber with the golazo, uh, and and a win. You know what, KC they they've they've been waiting to try to get going now, and they finally got some goals. Uh, KC's going to be all right, folks. And San Jose, it was a nice start. Going on the road to KC is never an easy and never an easy one, but uh, you know what? Earthquake still a decent start to the season, so wouldn't wouldn't count them out just yet. One of the more surprising results of of week three: Colorado two two draw against Minnesota. Minnesota United, the loons, the uh, you know the loons, the team that everyone had kind of left for dead and, and just thought you know what they might go zero and thirty four. Obviously, they were never going to go zero and thirty four, but it's great to see what they showed and the 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 ca- the character that they showed coming off of those two ugly losses to battle back, go to Colorado, not an easy place to play, and take it to Colorado, take it to the Rapids. They could have easily won that game. Obviously, uh, you know, the Justin Davis red card changed things there. Uh, and I'm sorry, folks, that's a red card. I don't care who what you say uh, or say, you know, it's not his fault. Look, if you cut a guy open with your cleats, you're going to get a red card. More often than not, 99% of the time, you're going to get a red card. So, it is what it is. Minnesota, still, Adrian Heath, uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that he, you know, that they responded the way they did. And maybe there is uh, something to feel good about and something to, to kind of look forward to if you're a Minnesota United fan. Next up, RSL drops the 2-1 decision at home. LA Galaxy, again, another game with a red card. Kyle Beckerman, obviously, this changed the game. RSL was winning. LA was not looking like much. The Galaxy was not looking like much of a threat in its game. And then the red card obviously changed things. Uh, was it a, did he deserve the red? I mean, it's two yellows, uh, second yellow, legit first yellow. That's where, you know, you have some question marks there. And do you send them off on that play? Unfortunate for RSL and unfortunate for Jeff Kassar, who lost his job, was let go after this game. I'll talk about that with Alexi Lalas, 
Uh, we'll, we'll dig into that as well. But if you're Kurt and Alpha, you're, you're, you're loving life right now. You're kissing babies. You're, you're, you're smiling from ear to ear because if they lose this game, if they would have lost that game, RSA, uh, LA, the Galaxy, there would have been some serious question marks. But now they get the win. Roman Alessandrini finally showing showing the quality that they've, they're they paying him to show. And I hadn't been impressed by him the first two games. Uh, but he showed he showed what he's got. He showed something against RSL. So if you're an LA fan, you got to love seeing that. Last but certainly not least, the arguably, you know what, not even arguably, the best game of the weekend, Timbers-Dynamo. Timbers with the 4-2 victory. And I tell you what, folks, there's, there's some pretty impressive attacks in MLS in 2017. None of them are better than Portland. The Timbers have the best attack in the league. And they showed it. They went toe-to-toe with an explosive uh, Dynamo team, a Dynamo team with some serious weapons. And the Dynamo learned you can't really go toe-to-toe with Portland, especially not in Portland. Uh, credit, credit to Caleb Porter. And I said it, you know, for those of you who listened to the last show, that this is that, you know what, Caleb Porter would figure it out and find a way to kind of, um, uh, you know, dismantle the, the the flaws in the Dynamo. And not to knock the Dynamo. The Dynamo are an encouraging team to watch. They're a fun team to watch. Finally, if you're a Dynamo fan and you've had to suffer through the last few years of really ugly, boring soccer, you have to love what you have now. And even though they lost, the Dynamo showed, even in that loss, that, that they're going to be a handful and they're going to be fun to watch. So that's big. But as far as the Timbers go, Timbers look like a legit MLS Cup contender. You could even argue they look better now than they did when they won MLS Cup. And I know that might be blasphemous to some, <clears throat> but in the attack, absolutely. This attack is better than their MLS Cup winning attack. And that should scare some people. And that's it. Wrapping up MLS Week 3. Uh, we obviously have to get into the U.S. national team. There's plenty to get into there. Um, Alexi and I go in great, great detail about everything national team, but we'll try to touch on a few things. Obviously there's been injuries, uh, Fabian Johnson, Bobby Wood, DeAndre Yellen, we already know was hurt. And then Jordan Morris, who suffered an injury, uh, in the, in the MLS game. Oh, the game I forgot to talk about actually, Seattle and the Red Bulls. I almost forgot. Sorry. My apologies, Red Bulls fans. Uh, I'm sorry. My apologies, Sounders fans. An impressive victory. You you snap the Red Bulls, uh, you, you know. However however long game, uh, unbeaten streak in MLS regular season play, and they did it with some real quality. And Jordan Morris had himself a game. Unfortunately, in the process of having himself a game, he injured his ankle, and now he's not looking good for the U.S. national team's game. Uh, adding his name to a pretty long list of injured players, but for Seattle, a very good win for them. They are absolutely going to be right back in that conversation as far as MLS Cup contenders. But yes, getting back to the national team, the injuries have hit. Now it's up to Bruce Arena to make it all work and figure out who he's going to start. You don't have Bobby Wood. You don't have Jordan Morris. Chances are you're probably going to see Clint Dempsey in a starting role, even though as recently as a few weeks ago, Bruce Arena was talking about Dempsey in a super sub role, at least for now. I mean, he's just come back from the heart ailment that kept him out half a year. I know he has started in MLS play, but you know MLS play, international play, not the same thing. But at this point, he might—he just doesn't. I don't think he has a choice. So, uh, I'll get again. We'll get into that with Alexi Lalas. Um, trying to think what else, uh, as far as national team goes, uh, they're going up against a Honduras team that you know ha- is is managed by Jorge Luis Pinto, the former Costa Rica manager, the guy who led Costa Rica to the deep run in the World Cup in 2014. He's a bit of a mad genius, and Honduras is definitely going to come out in a defensive-minded system. Five in the back, two defense midfielders in front of that. So it's just a big seven-man blue wall that, that the U.S. is going to have to break down. And it's not going to be easy. But again, 
That's what Bruce Arena has been brought in for. That's what he's been, that's what he was hired to do. Uh, and we will see if he can do it. We'll see if he can clean up the mess. I'm here at I'm here in San Jose uh, for the big match at at Avaya Stadium, a beautiful stadium. And if you haven't been there, if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty impressive facility, uh, home of the San Jose Earthquakes. And they're expecting a, a strong pro-U.S. crowd for this U.S.-Honduras match. Uh, a far cry from the U.S.-Honduras match that uh, that some people have talked about this this week, uh, which was in 2001. I know that's a long time ago for some of you youngsters. But uh, yeah, for those who don't remember, U.S. Uh, lost Honduras at RFK Stadium, uh, uh, which uh, a stadium that was almost that was pretty full and it was probably two-thirds Honduran fans. You actually felt like you were in Honduras that day, that morning. It was a morning match, 10, 10 a.m. kickoff uh, uh, for, for TV purposes, which I thought was, uh, I, you know, it was pretty absurd. I was a young reporter then, so I was just happy to be there. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, it's actually the opposite now. Instead of a 10 a.m. kickoff, we're, uh, we're looking at a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. So if you're listening to this and you're on the East Coast, it's, the game's at 10.30 p.m. So... Uh, hopefully you get, you have, you know, hope, well, if you're listening, you have found time to listen to the show. Uh, hopefully you will have time to listen to the whole show because Alexi and I go on for quite a bit talking about quite a few topics. Um, and, uh, that, you know, I, I was hoping to drop the show sooner. It's just been a crazy week, but, uh, hopefully you have a chance. Hopefully you're listening to, listening to this before the game and not after the game, because obviously after the game, it's going to, you know. The, the preview portion, you, I guess at that point you can see how right we were, how close we were um, to being correct. But uh, obviously today, uh, or on the show, we have a special guest, none other than Alexi Lalas, U.S. national team legend and current TV analyst for Fox Sports. Uh, Alexi and I go way back. Obviously as a player, I covered him uh, as a uh, as a general manager for for the uh, New York Red Bulls, uh, I covered him uh, slash Metro Stars, Metro Stars Red Bulls, uh, and you know what? He's a he's a straight up guy. He's an honest guy. People don't always like what he has to say, but he's not afraid to speak his mind. And uh, I think the sport definitely uh, needs more people like that, uh, and and it's refreshing. So uh, it, it's great to have him on, and uh, we're, we're gonna hit him. We're gonna hit him with a bunch of different topics and uh, see how he does. Uh, so, Alexi, welcome to the SBI show. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We go we go back a long way. We've seen a lot of stuff on and off the field. <laughs> we do, we do. We go way back. We go way back, indeed. And uh, it's crazy. It's crazy how how quickly uh, time flies when you start like for this game, this Honduras USA game. When you start doing the homework and start digging into the past history of this re- series, and you realize just how many years have flown by, uh, and how many uh, how many points this this series has had uh, in the history that that are pretty memorable. Uh, the U.S. is in a, in a in a bit of a bind here. They uh, they need to win this game. There's there's, a, there's some debate about whether it's a must-win game. You know, so you could argue the semantics of it. I wrote a piece for Goal.com kind of breaking down the history of, of bad starts and kind of why the people think this is a must-win game. Uh, what, what's your feel about this game? Does this feel like a must-win game or, 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 or not? Or is that a little – is that overboard? Well, I mean, if you're going to say a must-win game means that there is no tomorrow, then it's not a must-win game uh, in that they still have the opportunity to qualify even if they don't win the game. But let's put it in context. Uh, losing the first two games, uh, uh, firing the coach, uh, th- this is, I think this is, this is must-win in terms of turning that narrative and, and for, what, for both the, the fans, the team, and for Bruce Arena to... Uh, justify this, I think, this, this sense of hope 
uh, and belief that he is at least it temporarily um, instilled in this team. Uh, it's all fine and well to do it before a game that actually matters. Now, this is where that, that resurrection, uh, if you will, I think starts, but it doesn't start without a three point home win, which we know traditionally is what the U S and everybody seems to count on in CONCACAF, uh, albeit a CONCACAF that continues to get better and better. But I, I think this is, I think it's a very, very important game for a number of different reasons. And the most important reason is the fact that the U S has to start getting points, but keep in mind, the U S won their the hexagonal last, last uh, cycle with 22 points. There's 24 points on the table right now. So I know the hexagonals are different, but um, some perspective, I think, is, is also in order. Right. I mean, I agree with you as far as, I mean, it's not the, it isn't technically the end of the world if they were, say, to, to lose this game, but it definitely should be pointed out that no team has ever lost their first two home hex qualifiers and made it to the World Cup. And, and yeah. that'll definitely yeah. put them behind the eight ball. No team has ever started with zero points for the first three games and made it to the World Cup. So I think that's when you look at it that way, it, it would be a pretty huge hole uh, to, to climb out of. Now, as far as this game goes, as recently as two weeks ago, when I looked at this game on the calendar, I thought, you know what, the U.S. is going to win that game. No, no offense to Honduras, but the U.S. is absolutely going to win this game. And then we had this rash of injuries, which, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, no one saw coming. And so my theory is Jurgen Klinsmann has the voodoo doll somewhere, and he's just kind of poking, up, poking, <laughs> poking it, and and you know, kind of getting some revenge. I'm kidding, of course, Jurgen. Uh, don't call me. Um, but so you tell me now that we've had these injuries and and, and all these key players missing: Fabian Johnson, Bobby Wood, uh, Jordan Morris isn't looking good for this game, and he was probably going to be Bobby the Bobby Wood alternative. Uh, how do you feel about the state of the team coming in? What would you do? In terms of, of of the the formation in the lineup now, given what's available to Bruce Arena, so I I think that you know you have to take Bruce Arena has been asked every single question, and I think it really is interesting. Over uh, over the last three months, I have had more one on one contact with uh, both on air and off air with Bruce Arena uh, in the last three months than I had than I had uh, interaction with. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann over the last three years, and it's by design. We know that he is out there doing Facebook lives and talking to everybody and anybody um, because I think he feels that it's beneficial, and he's trying to get everybody kind of uh, in a in a very positive and onboard type of situation. Uh, when you look at, but when Bruce Arena talks about, because you know one of the questions that we in the media would always ask him is, well, compare with pre- previous teams that you have, and one of the things that he always talks about now is the depth at his disposal. And I think he is inheriting a team that is, uh, that is talented, but also has incredible depth and, and probably more depth than ever in the past. Well, if you got that, then when these things happen, you should feel comfortable having players come in. Uh, when you look at the actual injuries, so uh, a right back position that we know, whether it's a Fabian Johnson playing over there or a Yedlin or a Chandler or something like that, you still got a guy like Cameron who has played that in the past and is certainly capable of doing it. And, and uh, uh, Michael uh, uh, Orozco uh, to be able to play there. So there's, there's other options and good options at that. When it comes to up top, all right, Jordan Morris, who I think I would have played, uh, and I think he had a really good job of starting. It, uh, it, it just coincid- uh, coincidentally, who's who's come back into the fold? Well, Clint Dempsey. Now they're very different players, but it's not not too shabby to have that type of option uh, if you want uh, if you want if Jordan Morris can't go. And I know he gives you that speed, but that experience and that ability one on one, and just the ability historically to do things of a Clint uh, Dempsey. That's not that's not too shabby to have. So uh, on the surface, 
these injuries are worrying, but I do believe that there is plenty of talent and plenty of depth and enough certainly to beat Honduras at home in the United States uh, in 2017 in the now, now, Alexi, you have you have, you have some credentials. You have some coaching badges. You, 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 you can, we're going to put you in the coaching coaching kind of hot seat sure. here. Now, you mentioned Clint Dempsey. Uh, I know the average fan kind of looks at it and say, "Well, it's a no brainer." You put Clint Dempsey back. You could put him in the lineup, uh, no questions asked. But obviously, he 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 was out for six months. Uh, he's not at the full one hundred percent fitness that that he can be. Even though he's played for the Sounders and played ninety minutes, it's a different level. Uh, in terms of the, the physical demand of the international game, uh, the responsibility he'd have in a lineup for the U.S. is different than he would with the Sounders. Would you start Clint Dempsey, and would you want to play a two-forward system, or would you consider a four-five-one slash four-three-three, given what's what's available? Well, whether it's a four-five-one or a, or a four-four-two, I would consider starting Clint Dempsey, um, and especially now that Jordan Morris is out. So, uh, so initially, when I when I was asked my starting lineup, I had Tim Howard in goal, I had uh, Beasley on the left hand side, I had Cameron on the right hand side, and then the two center backs were Omar and Brooks. In front of that, I actually had Michael Bradley and Acosta on either side. I had Pulisic on one side and Nagby on the other side. And then up top, I had Jordan Morris and Josie out the door. Now, I, that's what I would do. What Bruce Arena uh, is, is going to do, uh, I don't know. But if you're looking at a situation where he says, well, maybe I would have played two, but now that I don't have those, those bodies, maybe I play five. Well, either way, for me, if Jordan Morris isn't playing, whether it's a three, whether it's a four-five-one uh, or a four-four-two, I still put Clint Dempsey in there. Whether it's two up top or whether it's having him at the tip in the in the midfield, withdrawn from uh, from a Josie Altidore. So either either way, at this posi- at this point, given the injuries, I would have Clint Dempsey on the field. Right, I agree with you. I mean, if if it, I mean, it's, again, it's up to Dempsey. It, does he feel one hundred percent to go and and start in this game? And if he if he does, he's feel, a gamer, though. Come on, he, yeah, he's not going to say he's no. Right? No, he's, he's not going to turn it down. Dude, he's the not dude turn just he doesn't doesn't phase him. And and I know at times he can be frustrating, but as 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 Bruce Arena says, uh, he tries shit, and that's that's why we love him. And in this moment where we need a bit of magic, I don't think that his if there is a problem t- physically uh, in terms of just getting back to that 100% uh, fitness and, and 100% form that just sometimes takes time, I don't think that it's going to be detrimental in this type of game. Right. No, I agree. I mean, if, if, there's a, if there's kind of a lingering uh, thought or a memory that, that makes me kind of have some pause about the outdoor Dempsey tandem at this point is, is remembering the CONCACAF Cup. And I know this is like more than a year ago now. Mm-hmm. This is the last mm-hmm. time in a big spot where you had Altidore and Dempsey, and it just, it just didn't seem dynamic enough uh, between the two of them, and 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 you kind of need need some speed in there. You need someone who kind of makes a difference in there. Uh, but I, having said that, I still I agree with you. You don't have Wood, you don't have Morris, um, and it, when you play the four five one, you definitely run the risk of just having Altidore alone up top with no with no support and kind of being detached from the midfield. Uh, so I agree with you. I find a way to get Dempsey uh, on the field. And it so, what just, would you play? Four four two or four four five one? I'd play four four two with Dempsey in there. It, it depend. I mean, again, I'm not I'm not at training, so I don't know like his levels in right. terms of the uh, the physical aspect of it. And and yeah, he can he can obviously he can play in MLS. He can play 90 minutes. Um, but you're going to want to press this team. You want you're going to want to be all over this team. Uh, what can yep. he give you in that regard? Because obviously the Sounders have the luxury of of kind of. Uh, letting him get away with not doing as much work off the ball 
uh, to kind of help him as he works his way back in. And he can't, I don't know if he can afford that uh, in this game, but I, I, I agree with you. Given the options, you got to play him. You got to start him. Um, so, and it sounds like you're, you're right back, Jeff Cameron at right back, right? Unfortunately, Bruce Arena doesn't yeah. have three Jeff Camerons because if he did, all three would start. <laughs> um, but he only has one. And, it, I mean, I, I get that feeling, too, that he's going to play right back because, you know, I don't know if anyone wants to see the, the Honduran speedsters uh, have a go at Michael Orozco. I think we'd all have nightmares about that. But it, So is that is Jeff Cameron the guy right back, you think? Yeah, I think. And, and, and I think his, his greatest trait sometimes is, is the biggest challenge because he can play multiple positions. But from, from Jeff Cameron's standpoint, I mean, he is – someone that you put on the field now where you put him on the field because we know he's very very good at center back and they've and they've developed a good tandem with him and Brooks but my, my thinking was this uh when you have guys like Pulisic when you have guys like Nagby I had Acosta in there because because I think that and, and bear with me here uh, I think that you're going to draw fouls um, and, and initially I had, as, as I said, Jordan Morris for that speed to get behind, which also causes fouls. Clint Dempsey can do that, not in terms of the speed, but in terms of drawing fouls. So at that point, when the first dangerous set piece comes along, you have, in my, in my lineup, you have, uh, you have Jeff Cameron, you have Brooks, you have Omar Gonzalez, uh, you have obviously Michael Bradley maybe hitting it. Uh, but then you also have Josie Altidore up there. Those are some trees that you get to throw in there on those set pieces. Now, I'm not saying that it, that it comes down to set pieces because I think that the creativity and the, uh, and the ability that pieces. a guy like – We know you love Yeah, I mean, like a, but, but, but a guy like Nagby and a guy like Pulisic working those sides, I think they can do stuff in the run of play. But I also like the fact that if this is a game we're, we're going to be pressing and Honduras starts to kick some people – getting those set-piece opportunities and having the guys that can go up. That's, that's one of the reasons. And you mentioned, as a right-back, look, you can do much worse than uh, a Jeff Cameron at right-back. He understands the position and he understands the importance of the game. Right. Now, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Kellen Acosta as a, as a starter in your, if you were putting the team together. I mean, it, there's a few people playing better than him right now, so I definitely get that. Obviously, uh, from an experience standpoint, he's, he's, he's not on the high end on, on that side of things. But, you know, he, but he's I'm, the But future. I'm good, he's the but future. I'm also good with Legette, though. I'm, well, that's, I, like, that's what I was going to get to. That's what I was going to get to. I think he's the guy. I think, obviously, Bruce Arena knows him more and knows him better. He brings more of an attacking edge. And, and let's face it, we're, the U.S. is going to go up against a Honduran wall of seven. And how do you break that down is going to be is going to be the question. And I think I think Legette gives you that that extra kind of attacking quality that's going to help unlock that. And and I think that's why like that's who I would go with. And and I think that's who Bruce Arena is going to go with. Uh, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they break that down. Wait, you think so? You think he's going to go with Legette? Absolutely, I, I would. Yeah. I would definitely. Yeah. I would put good money on that. The thing is, he he he's really good as a central midfielder. He combines well, uh, and he can give you a bit of that edge defensively. Uh, whereas Acosta does give you. I mean, Acosta's playing great. I mean, he's one. His the first couple of games of this year. I mean, you see him at at such another level, and it's great to see a twenty one year old blossom like he's blossoming. But I just feel like in this game, legit. This game. This game has legit's name written all over it. Uh, yeah. Not only to yeah. start, but to actually shine in. I think I think he could be that guy that surprises people and and just has himself a monster game. So uh, looking forward to yeah, seeing. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good either way with both of those guys. Uh, the only reason that I went with Acosta was because it it approximates the marauding type of Jermaine Jones that they're missing now. Now he doesn't have the physical. Uh, it, he doesn't impose himself physically in the way that Jermaine Jones does, but the amount of space that he's able to cover 
at not just attacking-wise, but maybe more importantly, defensively, because we're talking about how we're going to score goals and how we're going to go forward and all that kind of stuff. But they do have to defend, and the counterattack is going to be on for Honduras, and they certainly have uh, the, the, uh, the speed and the ability to do that. So having a guy that can cover a lot of space, that's the only reason why I, I gave the edge to Leggett. I mean, even a couple months ago, I was saying, I, I think that Leggett, after the January camp, had really put himself in a position to start that game. Because who's the other option? Maybe a, a Bedoya right now, which, I, I mean, of those three... I, I, the difference between them, I think, is so negligible. Um, but and, and so I, I'm I'm going with the Costa, but I have no problem with a Legette starting. And a Bedoya, I mean, we've seen him before, so I think there's this kind of desire to see something different and new, even though this is a, a it would always be a risk, and this is an important game. Right. Well, I mean, I think you could see both. I think you could see Bedoya out wide. The thing with Bedoya is he's not looked good in his last handful of national team games. He just has not. Uh, made an impact. He just ha- he's just been a little kind of invisible. Uh, so so the question there becomes: If you Bruce Rina, um do you kind yeah. of do you lean on his experience and, and knowing that he you know he he will keep the ball. He will he he he's a veteran. He's not going to necessarily make the mistake that could burn you. But you also need someone who's who can unlock that Honduran wall. Um, and so that becomes the question there: Who is is he the best guy for the wing? I, I think if he plays, he's going to play on the wing. Um, but uh, it's going to be up to Bruce Arena. I think he's going to go with a veteran heavy lineup. I think he is. I think I think you'll see Demarcus Beasley in there um, because just I mean when you look at Honduras and the they are they are going to have a wall of seven that still leaves them a track team of three that is going to absolutely run <laughs> run wild in the counter and you need some speed back there especially if you start a Brooks and Omar Gonzalez at center back uh, that yep. those aren't the fastest guys you need at least one guy back there who who can who can run down a Kyoto, run down an Elise, run down a Nahara. And that's the thing. Andy Nahara is the is their best weapon. He's Honduras' biggest weapon. He's probably going to play on the right wing, right up against that left back. And for me, if if DeMarcus Beasley is healthy, if he's 100%, I mean, he's still good enough. I think he showed me enough in in the first game for the Dynamo to, to show that he he's at that level that he can still play against the Honduras as a starter. So, We'll see. We'll see with it. Yeah, it's a pity. It's a it's a pity. You know, given the first couple of uh, of, uh, of games that we've seen from Greg Gars out there for Atlanta, I thought he's looked really, really good and really interesting and fun to watch. Uh, but he's but you know that's that's just a couple of games and and uh, but I, I completely agree with you in terms of the way that we look at Beasley. He's still just as fast as anybody there. Certainly, a, certainly as smart and a big game like this. I, I think Bruce Arena. Well, Bruce Arena's calling card is that he relies on guys sometimes to a fault, and sometimes people criticize him for that. But one of the great things about Bruce Arena is that he gives players confidence. He says, "Look, I'm not going to tell you what to do necessarily, and I'm not going to overload you with X's and O's and information. I trust you. That's why you're here. I believe in you. I don't care what anybody else says. There might be others that say that there are people better than you, but I'm going to put you out there, and I'm going to uh, and I'm going to give you the confidence. I'm going to put you in a position of comfort." Uh, so that you can get, so we can get the best out of you individually, and I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. And I think that's one of the great things about Bruce Serena. And but he does rely on his people, as as, as any coach does. They have their people, and we might agree or disagree. But if a, a player, when you have that that uh, that reliance and that confidence coming from a coach, it emboldens you. So I got la- last thing on the game on Friday. I, I obviously have to get your prediction. What what do you, what's your what's your prediction for the game? What's the score and the winner? I, I think I think the U.S. Uh, I think the U.S. wins. Uh, you want to score two nothing. Nice. 
Dosacero. Nah, see, that's reserved for the Mexican team. Come on. Dosacero is for Mexico. That's the, you can't call that for anyone else. I'm going to go 2 1. I think they I think maybe Honduras sneaks one in. I think the U.S. will take the lead. I'm going to go Altidore and Leggett with the goals. I, th- I think that's the. I think Ooh, that's the nice. Yeah, I mean, Altidore does it in, in, in qualifying. I wrote, a piece, I wrote a piece about that today for Goal.com. Uh, and it's it's funny to me how much flack he gets, right? And and I understand it on yeah. some level, but it's 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 funny to hear uh, some of his critics just absolutely crush him as if he's this horrible player for the national team. And and has he had some untimely injuries? Absolutely. Has he had some yeah. games where he looks like he struggled and he's and he's not all there? Absolutely. But the guy is the leading scorer in history in World Cup qualifiers. He has scored in some big games, even without, even with not having scored in the World Cup and, and being injured for some big tournaments. He still put up the numbers, and I think he's going to put up the numbers. What, 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 do you think? Do you think Josie gets a bit of a raw deal? What, what, what do you think about that? I, I think Josie is such an interesting character because uh, you know the, the way that he plays is very specific, and you have to accept that he's he's uh, that he's that he's going to get you the goals, not the ridiculous amounts of goals, but the goals that you need. He's going to hold the ball up, and there is a incredible value to that. But I think also Josie has matured, and you mentioned the the injury. I mean, now that he has consistently played and been healthy, I mean, I remember you know even you know in the playoffs uh, last year for MLS, he took Toronto on his shoulders, and a Toronto team that was so reliant and rightfully so on a Jovinko. It was about Josie Altidore. I mean, there was a there was a moment in that semifinal uh, against Montreal where it was he was he was incredible in terms of the way that he wanted the ball. He wasn't yeah, tired. Yeah, the overtime. And if the you overtime, have that, yeah. yeah, if you have that type of Josie Altidore, look that whether he scores or not, the fact that he is out there and making problems for the def- the defenders and sometimes drawing two and three players that opens up things. So I I'm glad that Josie's healthy. I'm glad that he's playing. Does he get a raw deal? Well, you know, who knows? We all scream and yell because we don't. players aren't ultimately what we want them to be. But I think Josie has become something that is very valuable to the national team. And I think Bruce Arena recognizes that it's valuable to the national team. He's, he's kind of come into his own. We forget how young he was when he first started and, and you know, had the massive transfer and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he, you know, this isn't a this isn't a mid thirties type of player right now. So in a in a strange way, he's coming in coming into his own right now. Real really mature and composed in the way he's playing. Right, and this I think it's funny. I think because he's been around so long, people think he's older than he is, and. I think the same thing goes with Beasley, where people, some people feel like Beasley's like 45 because he's been around since the, the O2 World <laughs> Cup. Uh, I did find it interesting. I was talking to Josie uh, two days ago, and he has a little bit of gray hair in the beard now. And I'm like, man, this is the kid right here. He was 15, 16 like a, Amazing, like a minute huh? ago. And now he's got a little bit of gray hair in the beard. Um, but I think I agree with that. He he has he's blossoming as a player. I think he's 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 adding elements to his game too, which I don't I don't think he gets enough credit for in terms of the passing. And I do remember that game against Montreal. I think it was in the overtime when you figure he would have been out of gas, he wouldn't have anything yep, left, yep. and then he put on the Superman cape and just just destroyed Montreal. So I think if he I think he can do that, and he can do that against this Honduras team. And he's and he's and he's learned he's he's grown into his body, and he's learned to accept his body and use his body in a, in a much better way than in the I mean at times in the past we've been so frustrated because you say Josie geez you're so strong you can you can just throw people out of the way if you want to and when he did it we, we said well do more of that <laughs> now he doesn't have to be all rough and tumble because his touch is much better than people give him credit for but he also has found ways to use that body in an advantageous way on a consistent basis and understanding how 
how his body works in relation to the guys that are on him or if they're off him or in different positions. So that just, I guess that just comes with time. Now, obviously, uh, we were going to have you on to talk to X's and O's and, and break down the U.S. team, but we can't have you on and not discuss some controversy and some of the hot topics that are out there. And we know you love hot topics. We know you love to, to, <laughs> to talk about the stuff that, that you know, can, can, can bring the different opinions and I thought it was interesting today listening to some of the questions. Uh, there were some questions about the new national anthem policy. Uh, and you had some differing views on it. You know, you had, uh, I, I'll give you the three the three, the three ranges of, of answers. You had Josie Altador, who was kind of the politician, who was like, he understands both sides. He gets why both why people like it and why people don't like it. You had Jeff Cameron, who loves it and, and is happy that it, 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 it's in place now. And then you have Alejandro Bedoya, who, from my understanding, uh, I think he spoke to USA Today. I don't think he is happy about it. So you obviously uh, ruffled some feathers and, and, and got some attention for for kind of coming out on air and, 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 and talking about it, giving your take on it. Have you been mm-hmm. surprised with how this whole thing is taken on a life of its own? No, I, I knew what I was doing and, and you know, everything that I do. Um, is part of the performance. And when I say performance, sometimes people cringe. Uh, but I look at, uh, at a there's no reason why a performance can't be authentic and genuine and truthful. And that what, that's exactly what that was. And those are the best type of performances as far as I'm concerned. But how I say something is as important as what I say. Uh, I have a very limited time to say it. But I knew that that was going to resonate because that's something that's even bigger than the actual soccer audience. And everybody can relate to it. Everybody has a uh, an opinion on it, either one way or the other. Uh, this was near and dear to me, uh, and I tried to frame it uh, in a much more personal way than maybe I've done in the past because of because of my history. And I did come out uh, and applaud the United States Soccer Federation for taking this stance, um, no no pun intended, uh, on on this issue. And I completely recognize and respect the fact that there are going to be others that disagree. And in no, if you notice, at no time during uh, when I was speaking about it, did I mention patriotism? Uh, this is not questioning whether uh, Alejandro Bedoya or Megan Rapino or Colin Kaepernick uh, are, are patriots or, or, or if they love their country or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. For me, I came more as a form of respect and a moment where while we may have differences and we, while we recognize and respect the fact that our country is not perfect, it has flaws, it has challenges, it has problems and important ones. In this moment, we celebrate who we are as a country and we honor uh, the incredible privilege that it is. And it's not only an honor and a privilege to represent your country on the national team, but it's a choice. And, you know, I ended it up by saying that while, you know, while we are, uh, you know, while we are in the home of the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the land of the free, it does not uh, it does not mean that everything we are free to do everything, and I tr- and I truly believe that. And I know that that some people, a lot of people, uh, you know, screamed and yelled about it. But that's okay. That's that you now it's part of what uh, America is. But you have the choice whether to represent your country, and within that choice comes responsibilities and expectations. And one of them is to give the respect uh, and the traditional respect of standing for the national anthem. And, you know, so I talked about how I would always stand, I would put my hand over my heart and I would sing. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's ultimately what I believe. And I'm glad that the United States Soccer Federation has done this. And they knew what they were doing and they knew that they were going to come in for racism, both internal and 
from from some players. And uh, you know, this this discussion and this debate will go on. It's it's a good thing to have. Right. No, I agree. It's good to have the debate. And I think what gets lost sometimes is people kind of lose sight of the, the the fact that you can disagree with someone like vehemently about a topic, and you don't have to hate them. You don't have to like it, right. tur- turn it into a personal kind of. Uh, you know, just thing where you all of a sudden you can't deal with people. But like, I, I mean, personally, I actually disagree with the with with there being a, a a need for a policy. I mean, I'm with you in the sense that I would stand, I would always stand, I would I would I would do that part of it. But if someone felt so strongly uh, that they wanted to make a statement, I would have absolutely no problem with that. I would support it 100. So where do you draw the line, Ivis? In terms of what, just what, what, what kind what of? What if, what if, uh, what if a player wanted to run around behind the uh, while the players are standing up for the national anthem? What if a player wanted to run and stretch uh, on the field behind everybody that's doing? Uh, <laughs> that's such uh, a. I mean, what if, an extreme what if a scenario. player wanted? Well, no. What if a player no wanted to uh, sit down uh, on on take a knee, What take if a, a player <laughs> wanted to wear a "Make America Great Again" hat? Uh, what if you know? And and, and I'll look, I'm, I know I'm being a smartass, and, and I know I'm being uh, devil's, ag, devil's advocate at times. But you know, that's the problem: is wh- why is one person's cause any more or less important than somebody else's? And you know, what I said was, when you do that, you are hijacking it. You are co-opting that moment for yourself, as just as the cause may be. And I might actually believe in the cause. It doesn't give you the right to use that moment for your own personal benefit to highlight your cause. Well, that, I know that's a, is it a benefit? So how is it a benefit? Is it a benefit to put your career on the line to make a statement? I mean, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I I'm with you with that. Yeah, the, it, could it could people just kind of go crazy with it? Sure, that's a bit of an extreme, though. I mean, if someone wants to make a statement and put their career on the line and put their you know, like a, like Kaepernick did. I mean, I, it, that's for me. I I don't have a problem with it, man. I, I think if you if you feel that strongly about something, uh, I have no problem with that at all. But I, I hear you. On no matter side. no matter what that something is. Not no matter. I mean, you're not gonna run around naked well, with you, like a well, okay, with like well, a. Why? What? That's just. I mean, that's. At a certain, I mean, come on. There's got to be. It, it, I don't know if you should use extreme scenarios to kind of like make that argument. I mean, it's yeah. If you're gonna run around in a Trump in a Trump mask or something, then that's 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 a little weird, a little crazy. But I mean, it's so, like. Modest but strong, but strong political statements are have been seen throughout the history of this country, and I like I, I don't have a problem with it, and I don't want us to get all into the whole other side of things. But I did want to get you get get you to, to kind of give give a little follow up on that because I know people felt you didn't give enough, and and I'm sure you want, would have loved to say more, but you know you have you have your time no no, right. and and just let me finish it off by saying that I completely recognize that it's a that it is a nuanced subject that it uh, we could talk about it for hours and hours. I've talked to people since then, um, as you mentioned, what I what was gratifying to me was well, there certain were were people that called me every name in the book, and you know people that uh, you know, uh, said said horrible things about me and and everything. There were for the most part, it was very cordial and it was very respectful. Even friends of mine and people that do disagree with me um, were very very. It was very cool to see that disagreed. We did it in a respectful way, and I think there's not enough of that. And and you know, I can vehemently disagree with somebody, but it doesn't mean that they are a horrible person, um, or it doesn't mean that they are any number of names that you can call somebody simply because they have a, a different view about a certain subject. 
Absolutely, totally agree with you. Uh, I don't want to. I know we can keep it on all all day here. We could talk all day about a bunch of different topics, but just to uh, touch on a couple of quick topics in MLS land. First, I have to get your take on Bastian Schweinsteiger. It's obviously it, it seems like the popular opinion is is like it's a terrible signing. It seems like people think it's the worst signing in the history of the league. Do you like the signing? Does it worry you? What kind of give me your you know? What do you? What? Well. Let's see. Uh, we've been talking about the Chicago Fire, which is not something that many of us have done a lot of uh, lately. So in that sense, they did something uh, because of the name and because of the money that they spent of kind of reintroducing themselves, if you will. And, and let's be honest, that's a club that needs reintroduction. Uh, from the on-the-field perspective, I think most people agree that if he's healthy, that's a good player to have on the field because he understands the game. Uh, he can play where he plays on the field. I don't know. You know, I did bring up the, the interesting disparity between, of, of pay between someone like uh, Dax McCarty, who's on $500,000 a year, and Bastian Schweinsteiger, who is on $4.5 million a year. And I venture to say that if, if the money were no issue, if they were both making the exact same thing, and you went and asked all the GMs and coaches in the league, who would they rather have? Uh, I think the majority would probably say uh, Dax McCarty. Now, that's not a reason not to sign him, but I think this is. I think it's. I think it's going to be very, very interesting how he plays on the field, just like any other big signing. Uh, how this plays from a business perspective, because I, I heard Nelson Rodriguez yesterday say that there are there are considerations on the field first and foremost, but this also has benefits off the field. So, you know, how do you how do you measure that? Is it just season tickets? Is it just sponsorship? Is it just uh, uh, jersey sales? Or is there a value, and there is a value, to the recognition of your brand once again, both in your market and outside of your market? And does he do enough? You know, someone then took me to task and said, well, you're the same guy that signed David Beckham. Yeah, that's the same thing. David Beckham. It's not even it's not even close. I wouldn't even rank it up there in terms of the top 10 signings in MLS history. But it's interesting. I'm going to look forward to see how it how it happens. Did they need, from a soccer perspective, to sign this type of player at this moment? Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, was that a, a position that needs filling? I don't know. But maybe, from a business perspective and in totality, this was the right thing to do. And, and it's also only for one year, so uh, it's it's one and done. If it's if it's not working, okay, whatever. But at least they tried something. And I do applaud teams for going out and doing big things. But the problem, as you know, Ivis, is that our league has kind of changed now where in the context of what Atlanta is doing and these younger type of DP signings that while we might not know their name, there is a value uh, and there's a, a longevity associated with them. Uh, that's where I think a lot of people kind of scratch their heads at a signing like this. What do you think? I think that's why people are upset. I think a lot of people are upset because going the way the beginning of the season had gone, the narrative had changed and was changing away from the quote-unquote retirement league idea. And now this signing all of a sudden becomes fodder for those people who love to, you know, pick on MLS. I mean, obviously, Deadspin, we know, loves MLS and loves to go at MLS. And you knew, you just knew <laughs> yeah. as soon as the signing happened, okay, it's people are going to use that to kind of once again label uh, MLS as a retirement league. I don't know if that's necessarily why you shouldn't, have teams make these kind of deals is it a problem if all 22 teams are signing four million dollar 32 year olds absolutely but i don't have i didn't have a problem with it because you know what if a team wants to spend the money 
then uh, the Chicago Fire, like you said, I mean, they, they've they been struggling for years. They've tried and failed to make some big signings. They tried to get Drogba. They tried to get Jermaine Jones. They yep. tried to get Brad Guzan. Yep. Uh, they allegedly tried to get Alejandro Bedoya. And so they've been trying to spend money. And Andrew Hauptman, who, I mean, I, I, I've gone at him as much as anybody, I can respect the, the idea that this that as an owner he has wanted to spend money on his team and and maybe this is there is a little desperation to this maybe there is a little frustration at the failed deals of the past and he finally got a deal done. Uh, would I have spent the money on him? No, I would not. I would not have spent the money on him. But I understand why they did it and I think I think as a player I think he could actually do more. I don't think he's getting enough credit for the player that he is because of the year he's had where he hasn't played at Man United. So people kind of use that to forget everything he's done before that. I mean, I think if he's healthy, he absolutely can have an impact on this league. I mean, let's let's not forget, I mean, Jermaine Jones, uh, when he signed, you know, there was some question, okay, what, what can he do? What kind of impact will he have? Yeah. Is he worth that money? And we've seen him be great in, in MLS, or definitely that first year. I know the injuries have been an issue, but... For me, Schweinsteiger could be even more, even more than that. And so that, for that standpoint, I absolutely don't mind the, the fire taking a one-year, four-and-a-half million-dollar bet on on a player. It's the, I, you know what? You want owners to spend money, so I, I don't have a problem with it. It's not how I would have spent it. And and as you know, as well as anyone, these signings, these big-money signings, are never a guaranteed thing, whether the guy's 32, whether he's 22. it's it's always, There's always some risk involved. I mean, look at the Portland Timbers. I'm sure they thought Lucas Milano... Was going to be the man, sure. and every, we all kind of agreed. We all saw that signing and said, "Oh, this is, you know, not to pick on Portland." Merritt Paulson, if you're listening, don't DM me. Um, you know, but that's an example that we've seen. That we the young. It's great to see Atlanta uh, with the with the signings that they've made. It's it's great to see the influx of younger guys. Like Christian Coleman with FC Dallas, that's beautiful. But it doesn't mean oh now like nobody over thirty is allowed. I think that's a little extreme as well. And. We'll see, man. We'll see how it pans out. I'm curious to see. Velkovich. Now they got. Now they just got. They just got to figure out that uh, that stadium situation in Chicago. I mean, you know, you're only as as strong as your weakest yeah. link, and a lot of people have pointed to Chicago, which is amazing because it's a soccer specific stadium, and and it's. And I know people scream and yell and and, and criticize Chicago for it, but. It, it, they had to do it, and they had to do it at the time. And, and the world has changed. The soccer world has changed since then. And, I, and we're not telling them anything that they don't know with regards to the challenges that, that 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 stadium puts up. But at least they're spending money on the product. And I think if you're a Chicago Fire fan, uh, you have to be you have to be happy and at least more positive than you than you were a couple days ago. Right, right. I agree with you. In uh, a, a couple of quick ones, uh, topics to get on. Jeff Gassar fired after three games. Does that feel? Is, <laughs> yeah. that, is that number one? Does that feel a little rushed to you? And number two, have you submitted your resume? No, I'm, I have definitely not submitted my resume. Number two, uh, we'll strike that down. Uh, I do not want to coach. I love what I do. I want to keep <laughs> do, doing TV. It's a great gig, okay. uh, and I and I, I meet so many people in my industry that are just passing through and using it as a, a way station. And I think you're cheating yourself and the viewer. I want to be surrounded by people that are 100 percent committed. So I don't want to coach. There's a lot of other people that 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 uh, that do. Uh, but it is strange, isn't it? I mean, three games in, is is he any better or worse of a coach than he was three games ago? So if, if you're going to fire him, why why now? Did you give him three games to to what? He had to win all three games, and what was by by what score did he have to win it? So I don't see how the impression that ownership has of this coach is any is any different than it was three games ago. And so I think the question a lot of people have is why didn't you just do it in the off season 
and give your yep. give whoever comes in the opportunity to have a preseason and start from scratch. But three games in is a is a little bit strange. But I also don't think that this is this is the culmination, I think, of some consternation with uh, with with the head coach. But you know as well as I do when it comes to RSL. You hear all sorts of crazy things about what goes on over there. And the days of uh, Garth Lagerway and, and Jason Christ are long gone. Right, absolutely. And, and you know, I, Craig, it was interesting. <clears throat> Craig, Craig Weibel obviously, you know, had to go into spin mode about this whole thing. But no matter, nothing he says is going to make this look like it was a well-thought-out situation. Because, you, like you said, you can't give a coach three games. Uh, and, and then, I mean, I mean, obviously, if he does something controversial, something crazy, that's different. But... He didn't. He sure. didn't do anything like that. So I agree with you. If you if if the situation was so bad that it was that close for him to get the hook, he should have got the hook in the winner. That's why this feels like it's the owner. This feels like it's Deloy Hansen deciding, you know, you know, sta- slamming his hand on his desk and saying, "Why haven't we won a game yet?" And you know what? He 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 gets what he wants, and I think that's really what it came down to. That's my opinion. I know I know Weibel has has kind of spun the whole idea that this was a, a, a decision made by the group, but this does this definitely feels like. If they, the if they name Pecky, if they name Pecky, and he doesn't coach a single game for the USL team, has he actually coached that team? What's, how, how the, yeah, what's that's the, a little weird. What's the official ruling on that? That's a little weird. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny. Everyone just assumes it's going to be Pecky. I, I don't know if it's going to be though. I don't. I, I mean, I think there's other candidates out there. Uh, Wade Barrett, someone who I think could absolutely get that job. Uh, who? Uh, uh, not to put you on the spot, but who would you hire if you were in? You were if you had the decision to make, who would you hire? Yeah, I don't think you're getting your your, your Bob Bradleys and, and your Ziggy. Well, maybe Ziggy. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, first off, Ziggy costs, so uh, you're going you're going to have a certain amount of money that you're going to spend, and RSL is not going to break the bank or anything like that. So, I think you know the the, the people that we've talked about. Um, you know, Pecky has been out of it for a while, and there is only one team that Pecky really associated with in terms of the success that he had coaching. And it's a very different type of environment, as, as you mentioned at RSL, compared to coaching, uh, coaching the Red Bulls. Um, but he's right there in your backyard and you're already paying him, right? So, so you, you can, from an economic standpoint, I guess it would work, right? Um, so, so what did I read today? Well, there was some report I read where, uh, who was it that, that said they're not, they're not interested? Um, who was it Chris Armis or somebody like that? Who was it Robin been, no, no, no. I think it was Chris, Chris Armin. Now, Robert Frazier's an, uh, an interesting one. Uh, it's not that I don't think he would be good. It's whether he wants to go back into that RSL well, that's, that's type the thing. of He's not, he's not going know? back there. He, and that's what people and, need to understand. It's, it's not always just about the team and the position. It's also the, the boss you're going to have. And all you need to look, and, and not to pick on the fire, we just talked about the fire, but all you have to do is look at the Chicago Fire as a team who clearly has an owner that people just, that a lot of people just don't want to deal with. I mean, Chris Armis was offered the fire job years ago, turned it down because yep. Hal, Andrew Houghton had a bad reputation. Uh, and, and, you know, Jesse Marsh, you look at him, he's someone who, in theory, should have been coaching in Chicago. He's not coaching in Chicago. And I th- I feel like Deloy Hansen is, is developing a reputation now as someone who maybe people don't necessarily want to work for. So if I'm Robert Frazier... Well, well then, you know what a, then you know what a match made in heaven would be, Mr. Winalda. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, let's I mean, be honest. And, I, and, 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 I, and I, don't, I don't say that completely in jest. 
uh, you know, and, and I've talked about this before about, about, you know, Eric as, as a coach and it's just getting to the good stuff, which sometimes is, is near impossible. But when you do, there is, there is some good stuff there, but I, but as far as just a, a crazy character, I mean, boy, that would, uh, that would be something that would give us plenty to talk about. Well, I, I, well, I don't know how long that would last. If you think about like if, <laughs> if Deloitte Anson is, is the kind of owner people say he is. Combining him with Winalda, I mean, you're just asking for kind of a, a explosion there. That I don't, I don't know if that would work out. Uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of coaching staff they they they, they are able to put together. I think Wade Barrett uh, did okay in Houston, um, and I think him. He's and got Greg a relationship Weibel, with uh, Greg Weibel go, and, so. and a history and stuff like that. Yeah, so. he did well. I think he set himself up as somebody that that you definitely take an interview with. Right, right, and uh, let's let's wrap this up here. I, I, I appreciate you being on for so long. I know you. I'm sure you're tired. Uh, nah, no problem. We'll we'll get you here. Uh, two 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 final questions. One, what MLS team has impressed you the most so far? I know it's only three games, but who who has kind of made you made you look at it and say, "Wow, this, these guys are all right." Um, well, I think the 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 one that jumps out, and for a lot of people, is is Atlanta. And uh, you know, they they set themselves up. To uh, to almost under uh, under uh, under deliver and they didn't and in a in a league where there's such a history of of expansion teams not being successful I mean unlike Minnesota which set themselves up to under deliver uh, and and completely lived up to that uh, you know the way the big bold arrogant type of way that Atlanta went about positioning themselves and setting themselves up and then to come out and it's still early days and they're going to have their problems just like everybody else. But at least to say, you know what, this is not only a team that has been successful in terms of getting points, but this is a team that I want to watch and some really interesting individuals, the way that they play. I mean, that's that this is about as good of a start as they could have hoped for. Now they got to make the playoffs. And if they do that, then that's, then, then, then they're cruising, and maybe who knows? They have higher expectations. But I love when people are big and bold and arrogant, and then back it up. And that was that was wonderful to see, at least in these early days. And then you're going to talk about, uh, you know, Portland with that attacking six that I think is is, and I think that it, just that Portland team is probably the best Portland team that we've seen in MLS history. Whether that translates or not, I don't know. Still not sold on Seattle yet. Uh, you know, Dallas is going to do their Dallas thing and they're going to scare everybody. And then when it comes down to it, you know, do they have enough to, to actually get all the way through? Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sold on that yet. Um, you know, the Red Bulls we saw with this, with this change of formation here, uh, they just look so out of sorts at times and, and less than comfortable relative to the way they have been in the past. So I think Jesse's going to have to do some tinkering here or there and, and maybe, uh, change change some things in order to get them back to a comfort level. Um, so those are, those are some things that have that stuck out, stuck out. I mean, look, Jason Kreis, uh you better wrap up Kyle Aaron in mothballs right or in uh, in bubble wrap right now and make sure that nothing happens to him because uh, it started out very very well for him down in Orlando and for Orlando. It's fun to see that new stadium online and uh, and then Minnesota I think is just going to be a fascinating <laughs> train wreck type of thing. Uh, it was wonderful that they got that point and they figured it out, but. Um, if if the best part about your team is the loons, the mascot, the uh, the death loon, um, then that's not good enough, and it shouldn't be good enough. And I don't think I don't think that they're going to always be like that. But certainly, it's been a little uh, a little shaky to say the least.
Right, right. Uh, well, the ones of you didn't mention, uh, the team that, for me, I like, Houston Dynamo, uh, just, yeah. they, they yeah. needed that. They needed they needed an injection of energy. They needed to become a team that's fun to watch. The fans in Houston have been suffering through some pretty forgettable soccer for a couple years now, and they need to start filling that stadium, and I think they have a team that, that will, if they keep playing like the way they've been playing, they, they, I think they will start to fill that stadium as people catch on to how entertaining they can be. Yeah, I mean, there should be no excuses now. You know, this is on the, the front office now in terms of selling this this thing because, you know, whether it's the uh, the actual style of play, which has improved dramatically, whether it's the individual talent that's on display, whether it's the results, whether it's the catering to the Hispanic market uh, or, or anything like that. I mean, it, this this team on the field right now checks all of those boxes. Now you've got to sell it, and you've got to have people that are selling that stadium out and doing the things to make sure people recognize that this is not yesterday's uh, Houston Dynamo. All right. Well, uh, we've covered everything under the sun, and I definitely appreciate the time. Alexi, I, I was going to ask you one last question. How much do you miss Taylor Twelman? Do you guys, I mean, is that, <laughs> is that uh, are you finally am, over? Are you finally over it? Are you over no, it now? look. I, look, I, I am over in that I work with great people at Fox, and it's a very different type of environment than ESPN. Uh, not better or worse, just very, very different. I had such a blast working with Taylor, and I got so much respect for the way that he performs and the amount of work that goes into uh, his performances. And, and I really, uh, it's been it's been fun to watch him grow and to call him a colleague and a friend over the years. We've had a, we've had a good time, and uh, you know, as as you get a little bit older. Uh, and you start to think about these things. It, it warms my heart to see a Taylor Twelman or, or to see new teams in MLS or to see the, the constant debate about American soccer, whether it's whether it's agreeing with me or not. Uh, it's it's stuff that I love to do. And one of the reasons why I have no problem spending this time with you is because, you know, you're one of those originals and you you've seen the good, bad and the ugly. As I said, we got stories for days on and off the field of things that we've seen. And we have a perspective and an understanding that uh, that I think informs the things that we talk about. Doesn't make us better than anybody else. And, and look, we're, we we invite as many people into the tent, and we need more people to come into the tent. But um, it's I, I hope it's gratifying to you because you've played as, as big a part as any of us that ever kicked the ball uh, of where soccer has been um, and where it is, and, and maybe more importantly, where it's going, given all the wonderful things that are happening. Thanks, Alexi. I appreciate that. Then, and, and I look forward to the day when you and Taylor are working together again. I think it's going to happen. You, you guys will be around long enough, and I look forward to seeing that. And I definitely appreciate the kind words and appreciate the time. And for those of you, I'm sure you all that are listening will be watching U.S. versus Honduras, and Alexi will be on the call, dropping the dropping the knowledge on 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 Fox on Friday night, pretty late start, ten ten thirty Eastern time. So uh, get the coffee ready on Friday. I'm sure Alexi will do his part to help keep you awake. And hopefully the U.S. national team will, doing, will be doing its part to help keep you awake. Once again, Alexi, thanks for the time. And I uh, look forward to having you on again. My pleasure. And that's Alexi Lalas. I know some people who, who just fall into the TV persona might, might not, not uh, be a fan of, of the things he has to say. And he likes to stir the pot. Some people might might even call him a troll, but uh, he likes to stir conversation, and I think that's definitely a definitely a good thing for the sport. And uh, he knows what he's doing. Smart guy. He just likes to, he likes to play devil's advocate. I and you know what? A lot of us do. I like to, uh, and uh, it's good. It's good. It gets people talking, and uh, uh, you know, it, it definitely keeps you on your toes and makes you think it's a, think about some things. And uh, 
I think I think we're lucky to have him. So uh, it was great to have him on, and uh, and and that's about it. We uh, we just have a few kind of housekeeping notes. Obviously, MLS uh, does have a few games this weekend. In case you in case you've so been so blinded by the uh, the national team game coming up, uh, New England Minnesota plays uh, Minnesota United traveling to New England to take on the Revs. That'll be an interesting one. See if they can uh, if the Bruins can build on on that impressive draw against Colorado. Uh, if you're New England, you need to you need to get a win. You need to you need to start uh, picking up some points, and uh, these the new faces in New England have to start stepping up. Red Bulls play host to Real Salt Lake. Uh, Nick Romando is uh, on national team duty. Luis Robles is not. Luis Robles will be in net, and you have to think maybe he'll be. You know, he always comes to play, but you have to think maybe there's a little bit there'll be a little added incentive there for him to want to show and prove against RSL. Uh, interesting side note on on the Red Bulls. Uh, Jesse Marsh apparently is uh, missing some training sessions to uh, to take some UEFA uh, coaching classes. And <laughs> I feel like I've discussed this before. Um, obviously, I reported back in the winter that he was he was set to take the job uh, at Red Bull Salzburg. Something he that Marsh has, has denied. Um, I think anyone looking at this this latest development. I mean, I think it should be pretty clear what happened. With that situation, for those of you who still think that you know <laughs> that re- my initial report was uh, you know fiction or what have you, the fact of the matter is he was going to take that job, and something kept him from being able to take that job. And if you can put that together with the fact that he's taking coaching courses, UEFA coaching courses, I think you can put the you can put two and two together, folks. Figure it out. Last but certainly not least, the Columbus Crew. Play host of the Portland Timbers in a rematch of the 2015 MLS Cup Final. It's actually Portland's first visit to Columbus since they won that MLS Cup in 2015. I think this is going to be a good match. Uh, this is going to—I uh, mean, there's only three matches, so he's calling it the best match of the weekend. Isn't that big a deal? But this is actually going to be a very good match, entertaining match, and hopefully, <laughs> for your sake, if the U.S. have won on Friday, uh, you'll be in a good mood and you'll want to watch soccer because I, got, I have a feeling if the U.S. loses on Friday. People are going to spend Saturday, you know, crying in their pillows, and they won't want to see much soccer. But I tell you what, folks, this crew Portland game, I think, is going to be a good one. Uh, and the last note, I just uh, saw some news uh, Friday morning that broke, and it was no surprise to me because I saw Landon Donovan uh, partying it up here in San Jose, and he looks like he's enjoying retirement. Um, and it's not really so; it's not really news, but I guess it became news when someone finally got around to asking him. But yes, Landon Donovan is retired. He has retired again. He's not coming back. He's done. He's done, folks. And uh, he had an amazing career, and he deserves credit for that, absolutely. But um, you know what? It's time to call it a day. And uh, you know, he he he. Uh, it was it was great to see the the love that the fans have for him. U.S. U.S. fans uh, in San Jose. He actually beat out Alexi, who's Alexi Lalas is normally the selfie king at the AO parties, uh, the night before parties. But Landon Donovan, no surprise, beat him out. Everyone wanted a picture with Landon. Everyone wanted to talk to Landon Donovan. Uh, amazing career. And uh, I did find it a little funny when uh, Bruce Serena on Thursday mentioned that Christian Pulisic reminds him of Landon Donovan. And then he followed that up with saying, you know, Pulisic has a long way to go to stand next to Landon. And obviously that set off some people who could, were just like, how can you say that? Pulisic is already playing well in Champions League. He's already on another level from a club standpoint. And it's like, listen, folks, settle down. We know what Landon Donovan did. We know what he didn't do. We know what he that he didn't do so great in Europe and in Germany in an early part of his career. But the, you cannot deny that he had himself an impressive career. 
there's obviously people who feel like he didn't make the most of his his club career in that he, he kind of took quote unquote took the easy way out and that he didn't go to Europe and thrive and be a star on the biggest stage but you know what folks the guy had himself a heck of a career he won multiple titles he won he's won more as many MLS cups I believe as anyone else in history uh, and obviously his international career speaks for itself give the man some credit give the man some respect Christian Pulisic is an amazing prospect but it but I I mean I agree with arena he has to keep it going he is on his way to being Christian Pulisic if he can keep this going will be the best player in American soccer history and he's already done things that no one else has done but don't don't use that as an excuse to just kind of spit on uh you know other great players who deserve their credit as well so I mean I, I thought it was pretty funny that that people were a little up in arms about that but it is what it is but you know what it was great to see landed uh and uh you know what he he deserves it he deserves the love man the guy put in some years and i i've said it before i'll say it again no matter where i go no matter who i who i run into around the world in the u.s americans non-americans people know who landon donovan is he made he made an impact he he made an impact he he, he impressed people not just americans i mean i i travel i go i travel a lot i go around the world i meet people from all different parts of the world and they know who Landon Donovan is, and he's the one American they know. That's going to change, most likely, as Christian Pulisic keeps doing his thing. But let's not forget, folks, Landon Donovan, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, set a path that that uh, deserves some respect. So uh, that's it. We'll wrap it up on that note, and uh, we'll be back. I'll be back next week to talk about, to, to recap U.S. Honduras and also preview the Panama qualifier down in panama i i will not be in panama uh, i had to change the plans i was originally going but now i'm not but i will uh, have a show before the panama qualifier we'll, we'll discuss and i have a i already uh, actually i've already made done the interview with our next guest for our next show uh i won't say who it is yet all i'll say is it is a player it is an american player who's currently in europe and is currently playing really well in europe so you can figure it out i'm not going to say who it is Feel free to guess in the comment section, but it's a pretty good interview, uh, and it's already done, so that'll you look out for that on Tuesday. But uh, that's all for now. Uh, I definitely want to thank Alexi Lawrence for coming on and give, giving us so much time and so, so much great insight. Uh, he def, uh, it was definitely fun to have him on, and, and, and hopefully one day, uh, hopefully someday soon, we'll have him on again. But that's all for now from here in San Jose. I'm Ivis Galarza. This is the SBI Show.